Do you want to reach the people that you love most with the good news of God's grace? Join author and international evangelist Sammy Tippett as he interviews Christian leaders who will ignite your passion to bring others to Christ. Hello, I want to welcome you to our Ignite Your Passion podcast, our Facebook broadcast that we're having today, and I appreciate you coming back, and we've got an exciting program for you today. I know that you're really going to uh, enjoy it. We have Josh, Josh Lair. Is, am I pronouncing that right, Josh? Yes, sir. Josh Lair, yes, sir. Okay, and uh, we have him with us, and I, I met him just a few weeks ago uh, when I was in Salem, Oregon, speaking, and, um, and he and I'm going to be also later on interviewing his friend, Matt, and uh, just I'm just so impressed with what God is doing with them, how God is using them and blessing them. I'm so thankful for what God has done in their lives. And so I wanted you to be able to meet them and be blessed as well. So, so we appreciate you, Josh. Welcome. Thank you so much. And uh, listen, uh, I appreciate uh, your story. Uh, you, you, you come from um, a background in which God has done a really a, a deep work in your heart. Uh, I don't want to share the story. I want you to share the story. So tell us uh, kind of your background, where you've come from, and uh, what Christ has done in your life. Well, you know, uh, <clears throat> I don't come from uh, a Christian home per se. You know, uh, when I grew up, um, when I was younger, my parents didn't really have uh, money when we were young. Uh, you know, government assistance. We lived in in a, a lower uh, income neighborhood, um, and uh, that that's pretty much the way that you know things were when when I was young. Uh, and then when I was about uh, I don't know, I think I was about ten years old, and uh, my dad um, decided that uh, he would you know, make a huge lifestyle change, uh, for himself and, and for our family. And, and, uh, he decided to become a, a, a police officer and, uh, go into, uh, corrections and, um, things drastically started to change for our family. When, when he did that, uh, we were able to move kind of out of the ghetto and into a, you know, a middle-class neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and then, and then from there we were able to move to a, to another, uh, neighborhood. And, uh, but, uh, when I, when I was 11, uh, I started, uh, smoking marijuana, started running around with gangs and, um, that quickly turned into, um, a lifestyle that, uh, was not one that was going to bring me any, any prosperity or, or a future. And, uh, by the time I was 12 years old, I was introduced uh, to methamphetamines, uh, by a friend of mine had said, Hey, come by on your birthday and, uh, I will give you, uh, some weed for free. And, uh, when I showed up there, there was another gentleman there that was older than us and, uh, from the neighborhood. And, um, I didn't know because I had never seen, uh, methamphetamines ever in my life, uh, in person. And, uh, he had been up for several days on uh, drugs and uh, was really paranoid. And so what he did was he put a pistol to my head and uh, told my friend that uh, he was going to uh, inject me with, with drugs. Um, mm -hmm. I was crying. I was 12 years old, you know, and, and I remember wow. telling him, you know, I, I don't do those. I've never done those. I don't want to. 
And uh, when that took place, I was instantaneously in love with that drug. Uh, the euphoria that it brought, the uh, feeling um, of happiness and uh, joy uh, that was there instantaneously um, was addicting. And instead of leaving that day with uh, marijuana, I left with uh, methamphetamines. And uh, that just propelled me into a cycle and a life that uh, was completely engulfed in, in drugs, um, illegal activity, crime. And, uh, you know, during that time also of, of my drugs and my dad becoming, a, a an officer, uh, my mom then went to the Academy and became an officer herself. So, uh, so how then did that, uh, did they, did they, could they tell that you were on drugs and how did that affect everything? It, it affected things uh, a, a lot. Um, it really ruined um, my relationship with, with my parents. Um, it, you know, catapulted a, uh, us against them and a, um, you know, not being able to be trusted, uh, you know, my, my actions, my body movements and all of the things that I was doing. Um, they would ask quite often if I was on drugs and I would lie, um, or they would find it and, and I would tell them it wasn't mine. Um, but my, my addiction got so bad that uh, by the time I was 15 years old, um, my parents were struggling with what to do with me. And uh, so they sent me to live with my, my grandparents in, uh, in Missouri. And uh, when I got there to, to Missouri, uh, my grandparents were alcoholics. And uh, so I was basically told that, um, you know, we don't do hard drugs. Um, but drinking was acceptable. And so all that did was, uh, I traded one, you know, drug for another and, uh, got really heavy into, into drinking and, uh, smoking marijuana again. And, um, I ended up getting into some trouble and, um, ended up moving back to California and, uh, got in more trouble. And, uh, then I ended up, utilizing the opportunity to go to the United States military as a way out of that trouble. And, uh, that didn't work. I ended up getting myself in trouble, uh, and, uh, fought a court martial and a, and a dishonorable discharge, uh, from the United States army because of, uh, my choices and, and lifestyle there. Um, you know, and then I, I ended up getting out of the military, um, after being discharged and I went back home to California and just fell right back into the same pattern, you know, uh, being around people that I shouldn't, uh, heavily involved in drugs and, and gangs. And, um, that still never, uh, did anything. All I would do is I would get in trouble. I would get incarcerated. Uh, I would get out. I would, uh, you know, lie, steal, cheat, you know, back to drugs and gangs and, get incarcerated and get out. And, uh, the last time that I was incarcerated and, and got out in California, um, my parents were worried, my, my parole officer was worried and everybody, you know, I was either going to end up dead because of drugs, uh, a drug deal gone bad, uh, you know, a drive-by shooting, whatever. Um, but I, I ended up marrying this girl that was from the neighborhood and she had, ties to, to Salem, Oregon. And I was given the opportunity to come here, 
um, and try something different. And so I did. And, uh, when I got here to Oregon, um, I was able to, to, to stay out of trouble for a little while. Um, and then I, I got involved in, in drugs and gangs here in, in Oregon and, um, went back to California for a time, uh, for about a year. And, uh, you know, when I was there, I, I ended up getting right back into to drugs and gangs and, and, uh, in trouble more. And then we came back up here to Oregon. But when I came up here to Oregon in 1999, the girl that I married, her parents, um, came to Salem Heights church and, um, wanted us to come to Salem Heights church. And, and I came not because I believed that, uh, that God was, was good or that God had a plan for me or that that was for me. I came because that kept my in-laws, uh, kind of at bay. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't really yeah, say anything right. to me. Um, and what they ended up doing was they ended up contacting, uh, a man named Matt, Matt McCollin, who's now a pastor here at Salem Heights church and, and kind of, connected us and pastor Matt, uh, at that time wasn't a pastor, but I would always tell him cause he would, he would tell me, Hey, I'm not a pastor. And, uh, I would tell him, well, uh, you must be to me because you know, they're having you deal with me. <laughs> and I would continue to tell him like, Hey, like all of this stuff that you're saying, it sounds good, but I, I, I just don't see how that fits for somebody like me. And I would come to church and hear the gospel, but I didn't believe uh, that that was again, that that was for me. And, um, you know, that, that continued to be the way that it was, uh, for me, uh, here. And I, I would get in trouble and be getting ready to go, you know, to prison. And I would come and talk to the pastors here at the church. And, you know, basically it was so that they would agree to take care of my wife at the time and my children to make sure they were okay. Now, how many children did you have at this time? Two children. Um, I had, uh, my first child was, was a boy and my second was a girl. So I, I, at that time I had one boy and one girl and, uh, you know, they would, they would assure me that God will protect, uh, my family and that he loves me too and wants to do something for me. And now had your, had your wife become a Christian at this time or, or not? Um, so, you know, at the time I would say that, yes, that she believed, um, in, in, in the Lord, um, you know, later, later life says, you know, different, um, that, uh, that she doesn't have a relationship. At least she's not walking that way, uh, with the Lord as of today. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I ended up getting in trouble here in Oregon. Um, and I got, uh, fell in possession of a firearm charge. And I was going to court and I was supposed to go to prison. And, uh, I came and I talked with pastor Matt and, and pastor Justin and pastor Carl, and they prayed that God's will be done in my life. And I went to court the next day, uh, with a plea bargain. I was supposed to go to prison for 18 months. And instead we walked into the courtroom and the judge threw the whole case out. Wow. And so I left the courtroom and called pastor Matt and told him, and, uh, then I went and, uh, I bought a case of beer and, uh, got some drugs and I, and I partied to celebrate, um, instead of at that moment in time, surrendering and seeing God for who he was, I continued in my addiction. Um, and then in 2009, uh, I got busted again for, for a gun 
and uh, commercial delivery of, of methamphetamines. And I was, uh, I was looking at going to prison for a long time. Uh, the first offer that they offered me was 15 years as an armed career criminal. Um, I ended up getting an attorney that was fighting for me. And, uh, then the next offer that they had for me was, um, 86 months day for day. Uh, then from there, uh, I told him I was going to take it to trial. Um, and then when we went to go for, for trial, they gave me an offer that was, uh, three years with good time. And, uh, I told him I'll sign, I'll do it. Um, and so I went to prison and, um, in 2010, there was a 288 man riot at Oregon state penitentiary. Mm -hmm. And, uh, after the riot, we were all heading back to our cells. And, uh, I just felt like something had to change in my life that I did not want to continue to live the way that I was living. Um, I wanted to be a father to my kids. You know, I wanted to be a husband. Um, I wanted something different and on my knees on in e-block cell 288 at Oregon state penitentiary. I cried out to the Lord for him to change my life for him to, to be number one. And I, and I remember telling him, I don't know what this looks like, but you've got to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, the very next day I was hauled out of that, uh, prison cell and taken to, uh, um, taken to the hole, uh, to, for some stuff that was going on. And, uh, I didn't understand at that time, but now looking back at that was God doing exactly that because he intervened in such a way that removed me even at that time from everything that was going on in prison with the gang and all of that stuff. Um, I ended up spending almost the rest of my uh, sentence minus the last uh, 27 days uh, incarcerated in the hole. Um, it was like a total of 167 days I did, uh, in the hole at that time. And, uh, I ended up getting paroling from prison in 2012, July 2nd, 2012, I paroled from Oregon state penitentiary. And, um, I, I was told by my parole officer that, uh, I had to go to the union gospel mission. Um, wow. So I, I went because I, I had it in my mind that I was going to do everything that I was told to do, that I was going to live life different. And so I went to the union gospel mission and, and I got out on a, on a Tuesday and that following Saturday, uh, there was a men's breakfast here at, at Salem Heights church. And now the, the girl that I was married to when I, when, uh, I went to prison, uh, her and I had separated, we were getting a divorce and, um, her dad, calls me and says, Hey, we're having this, this men's breakfast. Do you want to go? Wow. And I said, yes, absolutely. Like it's food. I just got out of prison and it's, it's going to be good food. So <laughs> I definitely want to go. And uh, I showed up here to Salem Heights church. And, um, I remember feeling this sense of, of guilt and, and shame. Like, what are they going to say? What are they going to think? And then, uh, I tried to sit, position myself in the, the chapel all the way in the back and in the corner. And, uh, because I figured that the pastors and everybody would already be there, they would be up front and, and I would have, I would be able to just not interact with them. And instead, um, I remember hearing them laugh and I remember hearing pastor Matt laughing as they walked in the doors and my heart dropped and he seen me and he came and he gave me a big hug and he said, I'm so glad you're here. And if you're ready to follow the Lord, 
we're here for you. Wow. And, uh, that gave me, uh, that gave me such joy, uh, to know that even in the midst of everything that I had done in my life, that the, that these men of God were still here for me. And, uh, I said, I'm, I'm all in pastor and, uh, have been showing up ever since, uh, that time, you know, I ended up meeting a girl, um, about two months after I got out of prison here and, uh, we decided to follow the Lord together. We did everything correctly. We, we, uh, you know, uh, did it the way that, that God lays out, uh, the way, you know, courting and, and premarital and, and all of these things. And, and we got married two years after I got out of prison, we got married, um, and have been serving the Lord together. Um, I'm on staff now at Salem Heights church for the most excellent way in addictions, victory group. Um, I've been to college. I have uh, an associate's degree in, in, um, alcohol and drug abuse counseling. Um, I'm getting ready to finish my degree at, at Corbin university, a, a Christian college. Um, and we have between my wife and I, we're a blended family and have seven children. Uh, my wow. wife, uh, leads the women's side of most excellent way. And, uh, about four years ago, I, uh, I received a phone call from, from one of my really good friends who you brought up, uh, you're going to talk to next, uh, Matt Masera. And he said, Hey, so do you want to do some, some street ministry with me? And, and I said, okay, what does that look like? And he says, we're literally going to go down to, um, a, a really notorious park here in Salem and hand out water bottles and, and just share the gospel. And I'm like, okay, uh, let's do it. And, uh, I fell in love with serving, um, our friends and neighbors on the streets that day. Um, I come from the streets so I, I could relate to what it's like to be on the streets. You know, God had rescued me from a 20 year addiction to uh, methamphetamines and alcohol. And, uh, so I understood the addiction component and, um, you know, I was already had a degree in addiction studies and was a, a counselor. And so I understood the other component of how it is to, to work with, with folks, um, that are struggling in that area. And, uh, from that point meeting with Matt, um, on a regular basis, uh, you know, the ministry that I, I get to serve with Matt and every day be bold street ministries, uh, kind of formed. And, um, you know, now I've, I've been to the Philippines twice, um, sharing the gospel in prisons, in, uh, schools in government facilities, um, and, and we do it here on the streets of Salem every day. You know, we get to serve in, in, in our community, you know, all for God's glory. Amen. Let me ask you, um, if you could say one thing to people who are listening, you know, that, that they may know someone, have a, a relative, a husband, wife, uh, a child, or a parent even, or a friend uh, that, that has, has an addiction what would you say would be the best thing they could do to help them? A, never stop praying. You know, when we do the most excellent way here at, at Salem Heights Church on Monday uh, evening, you know, we, we, we say that one of the reasons that we say that it's a safe place and a safe group is that because over 400 people are, are praying and uh, prayer changes things. Obviously, uh, God, Christ lays it out really clearly in, in the Bible, the power behind prayer. So praying for the individual and not giving up, 
because sharing the gospel with somebody, uh, you know, John eight thirty six says that when Christ sets you free, you are free indeed. So there's true freedom found in, in Jesus. And so sharing that truth with somebody that's struggling, we get to share a hope that never disappoints. Uh, the, the truth of the gospel that God desires to set the captive free, like he's been doing since the beginning of, of man. And uh, just being able to share that truth with somebody and then pointing them towards the gospel, you know, pointing them towards, you know, the most excellent way is all over the world. And so there it's a Christ centered addictions, victory group and being able to share Jesus Christ with somebody is what's going to change someone. Okay. So prayer, and sharing the gospel. Now, yes. how important, because for you, you had a group, uh, Salem Heights there, yeah. that, that kind of came around you, prayed mm-hmm. with you, helped you to grow. How important is it for people to find Christians who will come step, stand beside them and help them to grow uh, or, or help them to get through this whole process? Well, it's, it's huge, right? It's discipleship. It's coming alongside another uh, individual. <laughs> And, and doing life with them, walking through these things side by side um, and pointing them again, pointing them towards what the word of God has to say uh, about what it is that they're going through. You know, from Genesis to Revelation, it is filled with the answer. It is filled with the absolute truth. And so um, coming alongside somebody, knowing that it's not going to be easy um, and knowing that that God is in control and that He can and will do it if we submit to that um, changes everything. You know, um, being able to to uh, come alongside somebody is is so key. Yeah, the um, you know, and and you know that really those things are for for everyone. Really, something that that is important. Praying for people. You know, uh, it's only a work of the Holy Spirit that can really bring people to Christ. You know, the change in your life uh, is not because you decided, well, I'm going to be better. (laughs) You tried that. That didn't work. It was it was Christ. So praying for a work of God's spirit in the hearts of people and then the power of the gospel. I I, I think that uh, we don't realize how powerful the gospel is. The very power of God, according to the Apostle Paul, is in this message of the cross yes. of, of, of what Jesus did on the cross. And, and I'm, I'm always amazed as I hear your testimony and testimonies of others and even my own life, you know, uh, what, what Christ has done just through that simple message of the gospel. Yeah. And, and then, you know, whenever I first became a Christian, I think that, uh, one of the best things that happened was I started meeting with some of my friends who also came to Christ and we started praying together, reading the scripture together, you know, memorizing scripture together. And, and that was a, you know, a real, um, you know, I, I think a, a thing that's kind of set the course for me and the direction for me. And, uh, when, when I kind of, when, when I met you guys uh, the other day, uh, you know, at, uh, at Salem Heights church, I, I just, um, I, I sense a kindred spirit, you know, and, uh, and I, I just knew that you guys had, and I don't know if you know this, but I started my ministry on the streets. Uh, I I've heard pastor Justin, uh, speaks highly of you and, uh, what God's done in your life. And so I I've heard a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I started in Chicago in the highest crime rate area of Chicago is where we started our work. And, uh, we started going down. Let me just ask you this. What do your parents think 
you know, now at this point. So, what um, and so, you know, uh, I didn't talk to my dad. Um, you know, my dad, I, I super disappointed my, uh, my dad yeah. by living the way that I was living and just continuing to do the things that I was doing. And I didn't talk to him for, for, uh, for several years. And, um, when I got out of prison, as a matter of fact, when I got out of prison, uh, I sent him a message saying, Hey, I'm, I'm out. You know, I, I made it through. I'm, I'm safe. You know, um, I want to do things different. And, uh, the message that he had for me was, uh, um, that he wanted nothing to do with me. Um, that he had warned me that, uh, if I continued down this path, that this was going to be the way that it was between him and I. And, uh, he was basically letting me know that he was following through with what he had said that he would do. Um, and that hurt. And, uh, you know, my parents had divorced and, um, you know, and I, and I had reached out to my mom and my mom had always kind of been an enabler, but this prison sentence, uh, she didn't, I didn't get no letters, no money, no nothing, you know? And so when I got out and I got a hold of her, uh, she basically said, we'll see, you know, we'll see, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was, it was at that point, it was, you know, is it just another, you know, uh, lie. And now, you know, you're using Jesus to, uh, as your, you know, as your point of reference of why you're doing good. And, um, four years after I got out of prison, I was graduating college and I, um, reached out to my dad again. And, uh, he came up here and, and watched me graduate college. Wow. Wow. Um, and then a few months after that, he, he flew back up here just to visit his grandkids and to, to be with my wife and I, Oh, that's great. Um, you know, so God, because it, it is, because it was, you know, yes, I said that there was a change in my life, but God did it and is still doing it. And so the, the restoration that has happened between my father and I, uh, it is amazing. You know, um, my mom has always kind of been that prayer warrior, you know, the power of prayer, her praying that God would rescue me. My mom has stood up in the courtroom before and begged a judge to just lock me up and throw away the key um, because then she could sleep knowing where I was. Um, and today, my mom um, sits on our board of directors for oh, our wow. people street ministries, Klamath wow. chapter. Uh, we just did a, a, an event down in Klamath falls, Oregon. Um, and I got to serve side by side in ministry with my mom. Oh, wow. Um, you know, my, my siblings all say that they're proud of me. Um, I have seven younger brothers and sisters that all, um, my youngest siblings, they only know me as a man of God. They don't know the old me. So it's, it's kind of interesting to hear both, you know, points of references for yeah, them, yeah. you know, because my older siblings that are, I'm the oldest of eight. So the ones that are just younger than me that are all adults, you know, they, they know all of the chaos and destruction that was a part of my life. But my younger siblings have no clue. They only know me as, you know, as a man of God. Well, uh, and, and, and that's the way, 
God knows you. you yeah. I mean? the, yeah. the past is, is forgiven, yeah. it's washed away, and, and, and that's so great. I really appreciate you taking the time. And, Absolutely. You know, you know I, I, there's someone listening to this that really needs to hear this. There, I, I think there's someone here that's listening to this, probably, uh, probably a lot of someones who have addictions mm-hmm. that need to be set free. You tell them just in two minutes, tell them what they need to do. So if you're a believer and you're struggling with addiction, uh, we have an amazing thing because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, that we can run to the throne room of grace, that we can ask for forgiveness of our transgressions, that we can um, submit and surrender our entire being to God moment by moment, day by day, and know that God can do it. This is not Serving the Lord is not a pull up your bootstraps and try harder. It is a submit and surrender to what the word of God has to say and let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. Um, The really cool thing about about serving God is that he will do it. If we trust him and and put our faith in him and be in the word of God, he's going to do it. I'm living proof of it. And I get to work with other men and women uh, every day that are living proof of the goodness of God and what God can do in a human being's life. Amen. Those of you who are listening, I, if, if you are struggling with an addiction, and by the way, it doesn't have to be a drug addiction. Nope. I mean, there's all kinds of addictions. Nope. And uh, if you're struggling with an addiction right now, Jesus Christ can set you free. I want to pray for you. You've heard uh, Josh share wonderful story of what God has done in his life and what you know, God doesn't just love Sammy and Josh. God loves you. Yes, he and does. so God can do it for you. So I, I want to just pray for you right now and then give you an opportunity to pray and, and really surrender yourself to Jesus Christ right now. So let's pray together. Father, I, I thank you for Jesus. Lord, and I thank you for all that you have done. I thank you for what you've done in my life. I thank you for what you've done in Josh's life. I thank you for what you've done in millions of people around the world. And Lord, I know that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, what you did yesterday and what you did today, you can do right now in the hearts of those who are listening. So Father, I pray for any men, any women, any young people listening to this broadcast right now. I pray that Lord, if they are addicted, you would set them free by the power of Jesus Christ. Yes. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do. And right now, if you are struggling with an addiction, I want you just to pray with me. Just pray. Say, Dear Father, I need you. I cannot do this on my own. But Jesus, I trust in you. You are the Son of God. Just tell him that and say, I'm asking you, be my victory, to set me free. Mm-hmm. And thank him. Say, thank you, Jesus, for doing that. For it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, remember what Josh said? He, 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 the word of God, getting into the word of God, and then having some friends around you, get involved in a church that will help you, that will love you, that will help you to grow. And, and, and you Get with some people, somebody you can share your heart with and just pray with and, and, and that will be a, an accountability partner and a, someone who will help you to grow in Christ. Josh, thank you so much for just thank taking the time to share with us and share your story with us. And 
man, we're just so thankful. We're going to be praying for you and praying that God would just bless and use you for his glory. God bless all of you. Thank you for, for being a part and for listening. We hope you've been encouraged. If you'd like to hear more, visit sammytippett.org. There you'll hear podcasts, watch daily devotionals, and obtain books by Sammy that will ignite your faith, your love of family, and a passion to reach others.